0: You're listening to the Sales Influencer Series with Brian Trotschold and Travis Huff, presented by Ambition.com. The time
1: is now on everything. Took my heart away from money. I ain't interested in fame. And I pray that never change. Ambition is priceless. It's something that's in your veins. And I put that on my name.
0: I'm co-founder of Ambition, and we are here for another Sales Influencer Series podcast, and I'm super excited that uh, I'm joined today by Travis Huff. Travis is Director of B2B Sales at Wayfair, an amazing company that uh, I'm sure everyone's familiar with, or if they have a girlfriend or significant other or wife, they're very familiar with the Wayfair boxes, but Travis, what's up, man? Thanks for, thanks for joining me.
1: Yeah, man, glad to be here. Glad to be on the show. This is exciting.
0: Cool. Well, uh, you know, we've we've known each other for uh, probably a year, more or more than a year at least, by email correspondence and stuff. Uh, and it's fantastic to have you on. I know you're a big thinker in the space and, and impacting a lot of sales reps and sales managers' lives at Wayfair. But you know, really quick, can you give me the give the audience the the twenty second? Um, you know, you know, Travis Huff intro of of who you are and and how you ended up on the podcast.
1: Um, Yeah, uh, Travis Huff, you know, uh, came to Wayfair a couple of years ago um, as the director of B2B sales and, uh, um, you know, one of the first things that uh, I did when I got here is we were looking at some third-party tools and some of the things that uh, we wanted to do from a sales-enabled aspect. And uh, had heard a lot about ambition, and so had reached out to you guys. And I'm glad that you actually have me on the podcast because I'm I'm glad that you actually still like me after the <laughs> the year I've put you guys through in in getting ambition into Wayfair. And uh, you know it was a it was it, it, it was a road we traveled, but you guys did a great job for us, and uh, we've been extremely happy with the product. So it's it's great to be on the show and, and talking about sales in general, but uh, also some of the things that you guys have been able to help us do really well.
0: Well, I appreciate that. And, and I love to hear it. Well, let's talk about, let's talk about your time at sales because you know, you, you're not new to the trade. You're not new to the industry. Um, you know, how did you get involved in, how did you start your career in, in sales?
1: Well, I think like a lot of people, um, you know, I was, uh, uh, er, early on, this should happen, and I remember following him out. It was, you know, the last class, and we were both walking out to the, uh, uh, you know, the parking lot together. And I, I, I watched him get in this jalopy. I, I mean, it, it, it was like a car like I, I never would have wanted, you know. <laughs> and I just thought, what, well, what, what am I doing? Like, I'm, I'm trying to learn about business, you know, from somebody who's teaching theory. and wasn't, wasn't really actively pursuing in it. And I thought, I, I want to start working with business people as entrepreneurs um, and so uh, I, I went out and, and my my very first sales job uh, was actually selling computer training for a, a company um, called New Horizons Computer Learning Center and that was when we were bringing companies in to teach them how to use Excel and PowerPoint and you know all this great new technology um, and, and that that was the that was the start and then I just I continued on um, through the years and really moved into um, the technology space um, worked in an incubator you know during the first dot-com watch that build and watch that explode and go away and um, and uh, then ended up in the financial services industry for for a long time um, more as a consultant to sales teams and uh, helping them build really strong sales uh, infrastructure, so um, that 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 was great. But uh, came through in the technology space and uh, uh, ended up here at Wayfair. But I think for most salespeople, it's it's a windy road, you know, and it's a it's a road of uh, continual learning and and just trying to better yourself.
0: I want I want to hear about that because I think that there's a fascinating. Um, you know, kind of like history repeating itself model. And, and I always like to hear from people who are, you know, have a little bit more context than I do. But, you know, what was that first role like in the, you know, maybe the initial dot com or, or maybe right at the beginning of dot com where you're teaching people how to use software in a business setting? Were you guys selling that door to door? I'm assuming you were an individual contributor in that role. Was that like face to face sales or was that? telesales at that point how did you convince no, yeah
1: i mean it, it yeah no it was it was telesales like i mean we <laughs> you know we were we were selling to businesses and you know it's when um uh that's when they were marketing you know you know it's when microsoft was coming out with all of their their suites and uh power and you know and all of that and um, we would just sit down and we'd open up a phone book you know i mean my first day on the job uh, my sales manager came and dropped the white pages in front of me he said here's your lead list you know go go find it just just check in the uh, crm uh that they're not already in there and uh then just dial and we would call and we, we would just simply ask people are you guys using technology and uh we'd say how you know how well are your people doing in excel and powerpoint and uh, we would sell classes on us and uh, we would bring them into our training center and, and we had, you know, anywhere from five to six training classes a day. And we would, we would, it was a corporate, it was a corporate model to train your people on technology. It's crazy. Yeah. So different. It's like a big old, it's like having the brick cell phone.
0: <laughs> yeah. well, I mean, I'm just imagining, you know, young Travis, people, people listening to this podcast can't, can't see you, but I'm imagining you're in the room, you know, you've got some, a much bigger uh headset on or maybe you're holding up the brick phone between your shoulder and, and ear and you're just flipping pages and you don't know anything about these prospects like you're just it's 100% cold
1: yeah it was one it was 100% cold we we'd go through the phone book we're really a go-getter. Um, you know, I used to take my uh, my wife on drives around the city, and we would just drive through the city, and we would we would look at the uh, biggest companies with the biggest names on the on the side of the building, and uh, I would name off the name of the company, and she'd write it down, and that would become my lead list for the next week, and those would be the companies that I was I was really trying to get into. So, um, you know, it's just I think for a lot of salespeople, you know, the one thing that doesn't change is you know, there are people that go above and beyond and do the extra. And then there are those people that think that the company's responsible for giving them, you know, all the leads and, um, the perfect list. And and there really is, I mean, sales is a tough job. It's a hard job, but if you want to be successful in it, you've got to be dedicated to it. Um, um you know, inside our air, but definitely outside, uh, time as well.
0: Yeah. I, that's one of the things that I think is really, you know, fascinating to hear because, Compared to a rep today, um, you know, reps today have a lot of advantages versus what you just described, you know, driving around with your wife in the car, um, (laughs) spotlighting logos or spotlighting, you know, names on buildings and being like, those guys paid for the sign, so they must have something going on. Um, You know, what did that, you know, what what did you learn from that role? really, like you said, hundred percent cold, doing prioritization, like kind of figuring out who are the best companies to target. Like what did, what did you start to learn about the, you know, about being a great rep that you took into the, the management side that you, you know, that you utilize now or that you, you've been utilizing for years, which is you know, to make those teams more effective. I'm curious, like, did you figure out early on, like, you know, here's what I'm, teams need to be doing, here, here's what people need to be doing?
1: Early on, I mean, I just figured out that nobody was going to do it for me uh, but myself. Like the company could support me. They can give me good tools, you know, and in some roles or tools than others. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I was going to come in and I was going to be responsible for the work that I did. And, um, you know, when I learned early on that I wasn't always the best sales rep, um, but I could always outwork my competition. And so, I mean, I, I, I learned that incredibly early and that's something people um it's you know it's definitely something that we utilize here uh, at Wayfair as well I mean my, my people get sick of hearing it but you know one of the take one is hey look every kid doesn't get a trophy I mean that's that's just the reality in sales and so you know you're not all going to get the same leads you're not not always going to get the same opportunity, um, but you know nobody's preventing you from creating your own opportunities. And so, early on, I just learned to work harder than the guy next to me, and and I out earned and outpaced a lot of salespeople. I think that were better than me initially and had better skill than me. Um, but I just utilized the time and the effort that I could put into it to overcome it. And the natural byproduct of that is I gave more pitches than they did. I had more opportunities that they did. So my skill, you know, progressed quicker than, than theirs did ultimately over time. So, I mean, that, that was the big one for me. It still stays with me quite a bit.
0: Yeah, that's all, I mean, I'm mean, i a huge basketball fan. I don't know about you, but I always like to say, you know, people who are getting more, more reps in, you know, they're getting more shots up. Um, if they're yeah. getting more shots up, you know, it doesn't matter if four months ago they were missing 80% of them, you know, hopefully four months later they're making – you know they're missing fifty percent of them. Uh, sounds like you were figuring right, out right. to get those reps in and to to get shots on goal or whatever metaphor you want to use.
1: Yeah, it's 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 all scientific. So I'm a big believer in the art of sale and, and the science of sales. And I think you you really need both of those to be effective in in today's sales environment. Um, and, and we, we lean on that a ton and, and, you know, of course your product, a big, big piece of that for us because it, it, um, actualizes it for the rep in real time. And so we're able to do some really cool stuff with that.
0: So, you know, I, I wanted, that's a great transition to Wayfair and, you know, I'm curious if when you, when you got to Wayfair, was that already the mindset, this, this science of sales model, or was it, uh was it not that way you know i know that's a kind of a business that's even transitioned from a you know b2c to now more b2b and and a different sales approach so was that always the case where you had this i think a very advanced very you know very modern approach to sales no
1: it's 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 really interesting cuz y- yeah i think you know with, with wayfair i mean we we use data and we use a lot of data we're we're very data centric but the interesting thing with sales teams, we we were we were not. Um, so at least on the on the B2B side. So you got to imagine when I came in, you know we were a four billion company on the B2C side, but we were only doing about three hundred million dollars in revenue on the B2B side. Um, and it had plateaued, and so one of the big things that that was at task was we needed to change this organization from a service lean organization to a sales organization. So one of the first things I did when I got here is I was just curious how many outbound conversations do we have per rep per day that are over three minutes long? And we just took three minutes because we said, you know, if it's over three minutes, you're probably past the voicemail, you know, the the hang up. And so we're probably having a conversation uh, with someone. And so when I looked at that, we were averaging 2.4 outbound conversations per rep per day um, across the B2B org, which was basically you know, our reps had 2000 accounts in their book and they sat there and waited for the phone to call. Somebody would say, oh, we got five chairs. Great. Let me take that. Over. And so we were really an order taking organization. And that was, that was the function. So we immediately dove in with some, some uh, metrics and started looking at them, and And really the path that, that I took with that was an individual metric uh, for sales reps. And so we, we immediately looked at, the number of attempts we were making per day of just picking up the phone and dialing out, the number of connections, outbound calls over three minutes, then the number of presentations we were making that were leading ultimately to to revenue. And and we systematize that in a way that we really look at our metrics at a per rep basis. So even though we have minimums, that would be kind of keep your job minimums, right? Um, we, We don't really focus on that we focus on the individual rep metric called VPC or value per contact. And I mean, that, that, that's a big metric we could get into a ton, but basically what it tells us is if the minimum is per day per rep, you know, in the company, based on your skill level or what the VPC tells us, you may be required to actually do fifth connections per day to hit your quota. So I think that's one of the big, the big challenges a lot of companies have is they have these minimums, people are meeting minimums, but they're not hitting quotes. Because if you look at VPC, what that's telling you is they're not having quality conversations. So it means that nine's not going to get them to quota. So all of our minimums are directly related at the individual rep level. Um, you know, fast forward, at, you know, implementing that, and and we actually use ambition, utilize that VPC metric and and the attempts, connections, and presentations in that way by rep. Um, first year after we implemented that, we grew hundred percent from 300, 620 billion. Um, you know, this year we'll do 1.2 billion in the B in, in the B2B, uh, division. So we have some growth, that's um, wild. you know, a lot of things go into that, not, not just the metric, but that, that, that was a big, that was a big part of that for us.
0: That, you know, that, that's amazing. It's such a, it's a, it's awesome for me to hear because it's, it's a very real world distilled, um, example of what what we believe in, which is, you know, very much, you know, that there's, there's a science to it. If you break it down, if you go enough layers deep, you'll figure out that there's baseline minimums, but there's also um, really effective minimums that you need to be doing to actually make these things happen. Was there pushback? You know, when you came in and folks are taking, I, (laughs) I worked for HP (laughs) <laughs> uh, and I took orders like I, I was the guy who came into a call center and was supposed to be hustling six seven years ago and like you know I'm hanging out taking orders what, so I know that there was pushback how did you how did you frame that for your reps and your teams to you know change the culture that went around with the, the process change that you were making
1: well, I mean that's a really good question, and it it it, it was hard. I mean, it was a uh, it was definitely a cultural shift uh, in the organization, and and I think I think it was hard too because a lot of those people that were in the role were very service oriented people. They weren't sales oriented people, and so very good at building works aren't very good at asking for the business or creating new business in regards to a particular order um so i think you know we had we we had to give a very clear expectation to the team on where we were going and you know i I remember one meeting in particular where we basically outlined this is where we're going we're going to become more outbound here are the new metrics these these are minimum so required to be in this, and this is, this is where we're going to be, but we we're also very careful to say, we value you and the knowledge that you have about Wayfair. So, If there's anybody in the organization that feels like this is not the place for you, this, this division and this change and this cultural effort, um, raise your hand. Like we're, we're going to find you another spot in Wayfair. Um, and did, it, did their it was funny because I like, it, yeah, there was it. it was probably about ten <laughs> percent of the org raised their hand, and, and it was like, wait, you know, get get me the hell out of here. Like, there's there's no way I'm not going to make these calls, and I'm not, not going to be out. And, and I think almost to the number of people that raised their hand, we were able to move them into the service component of our organization. So that because we kept this great knowledge of the organization, um, we kept some really great employees, um, and then we started been building from there, so the people that stayed with us have really gone through this tough cultural transition, but have really seen the rewards of building into a billion-dollar division. You know, a lot of people aren't part of a billion-dollar company, much less you know a billion-dollar division. And so, um, you know, and and over the last few months, you've had a number of those people. Uh, that that opted out early on decide to come back into or want to come back back into um, the 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 sales organization. So it's it's been fun to watch that gradual acceptance of uh, the culture and and we're still driving through it. But um, yeah, it was hard. It was difficult, but we set really clear expectations of where we where we were going to go, and we held to that. And uh, we, you know, a lot of people transitioned well with us and, and and new employees that were just kind of built that way initially
0: so there's something you said or a couple times you just reiterated at the end of that And I think this is as a founder I had to learn this the hard way um, but you talked about you know you're making a business change you're making a whole change to what these people's role looks like what their outlook looks like you know what the future of their their job is really and you said right away you know you you put on the you know, it sounds like you put it on the board or you put it out to the team that like this is where we are going it's not a it's not up for debate it's not up for uh you know yeah
1: no <laughs> we're gonna it talk wasn't it. a debate at all it was yeah. just
0: <laughs> I mean, but like you know from now we, we, we just,
1: we just yeah. needed to do more we just needed to do more and and we needed to change that environment. So I just think it was important that everybody knew. And so we weren't trying to change that culture midstream. We know there was a definitive moment where we said, okay, we've managed to change. This is what we're doing. And uh, let's, let's find out who the right people are on the bus and give, give the people that aren't going to, going to get, going to be on the bus, the opportunity to go somewhere else and do it in a very effective way that we retain that talent. And I'm, I'm so glad that we did because those people are actually now in that support our team and they do an unbelievable job doing
0: that. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a fantastic leadership lesson beyond just a a great, a great sales process change and, and sales team change, but from a leadership standpoint, that's, that's incredible. Um, I'm curious because I have tried a bunch of things that didn't work. Did anything not work in that uh, that you can think of, like where you <laughs> thought, you know, man, this is going to kill it as part of this change, or or in parallel, and then it just it flopped.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, one one of the one of the things we had separated early on our sales teams, in into a group that basically was kind of the collect all. For anything that wasn't, you know, enterprise level, and we were hoping that they would really just kind of, kind of educate, you know, ed- educate the client better. And um, I mean, it, it it didn't work well. Like, you know, we we <laughs> we ended up having um, individuals with three, four thousand accounts because marketing was just dumping these list team, and so then then you know you had so many leads coming into the these teams that nobody really felt inspired or or the fact that they needed to work with a client because they were there's so many leads coming in they were just trying to get the low hanging fruit and so we were like man we're just we're going through this massive burn and and you know, we had a pretty earn rate of clients after their first purchase that were we're not renewing. And so um, we, you know, we we took a look at that and we were like, okay, so our activities and much higher, we're driving some incremental value with that, but we 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 can't just do more activity for the sake of activity, we've got to do the right activity. And so then we realigned uh, and we really put a focus on how we were going to educate the clients into the sticky parts of the site, um, get them up to speed on the tools that could be utilized by the client. We started to see repeat rates and increase, our average order value increase, uh, and and so you know I think we we, we got ourselves on the right, path. and we've seen that over um, the last several quarters, really over over the last year since we made that change, but. Yeah, I mean, the reality is, I think, you know, we kind of been bouncing around this, this, this subject of change. And the reality is customers, the way they buy, the way they sell, the way you know, that the e-commerce market and SaaS models, all those things change just so rapidly. Like, I don't think we're ever going to be in a situation and we tell our people, hey, we're never going to be out of this period of time where we're not implementing new initiatives and new changes. Like you, if you're, if you're in the tech industry, you just gotta be, you to and you got to be able to change uh, with the face of the customer and the profile of the customer. And, and so we're trying to do that at a rapid, a rapid pace. And the one thing I think we do extremely well at Wayfair is um, we, we move extremely fast, really fast for a company our size. Um, we make a lot of mistakes um, and and we celebrate those mistakes but the thing we do really well is we recover really fast and um, I, I think that that's that's a real testament to to continuing to grow a big organization
0: yeah I, I I mean especially at the size you guys are with the scale of the teams to roll out change to roll out playbooks and get people bought in um, you know I don't want to throw my, my former employer under the bus, but we were lethargic in, in everything everything that happened, even when there was good leadership around like, hey, we're going to do this. It was like, we're going to do this in three quarters. So like, don't worry. Like it's, it's, it's a year from don't now worry. or it's nine months from now. It sounds like you guys figured that out. Um, you know
1: Yeah, what, yeah. ours is, usually we're, we're launching this in two weeks. So <laughs> you get your team on board kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah. it's good
0: it's It's you know when it's time to move out it's time to move out and and the the leader has to make the call (laughs) um yeah what uh you know travis what keeps you up at night in a in us you know the management of your team context and the the sales side of wayfair context that you're you know laying. i have like 50 things but like what do you think about as far as like from a management and um execution standpoint that 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 stress and i
1: i I know you're going to hate this answer, but I mean, nothing wrong. And, and and I say that because I, I think that we're living it every single day. And, and so, you know, it, it, you know, at night when my head hits the pillow, I, I think we're, we're we're thinking about those things throughout every single day and we come into work and we're looking at those things every day and we're asking those questions. So, you know, I, I, I mean, I guess you can look at it from the perspective of, of the unknowns and, and what is it that we don't know? Uh, you know, I, I think, I think change is, is that thing that's so consistent in our world, um, that every single day we come in, there's something that's different than, than we were, we were doing yesterday. So, I mean, I, I guess if I had to say that the, the, the the worries do we have the ability to scale and implement all the initiatives that we feel that we we want to implement without going through this this and what I call initiative fatigue that's probably the biggest biggest test we have right is sometimes I look at my team and I'm like you know and I tell partners around the rest of the org we we I cannot ask my team to do one more thing like we've they're 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 trying to sell but we've we've asked to do this quarter i need to leave them alone for the next month or two months just so they can get those things uh, under wraps so that that's probably the biggest challenge just initiative fatigue and uh wanting to do so much and so so quickly
0: yeah well i you know there's a i i think it's great when you hear a leader that says they're not um you know there's not one thing out there stressing them it's either they're they're lying or they've gotten really comfortable with those, those worries and those, uh, those challenges, which is the best case scenario. Like when you're in the foxhole for long enough that the foxhole feels normal. Uh, I think that's kind of a a good thing about the pressure situations and, and the constant change that you mentioned. So it's not a bad thing.
1: Yeah, I think that's, I think it's, it's kind of where we live. Like, like every day is just that experience day after day. And I think I just kind of resigned myself in the tech space. Like it's just where you're going to live. I mean, if you want to be too many people coming after you, there's too many people with funding and money and know how, um, you know, and so you've got to continue to build that moat around your offering. So it just becomes, um, you know, physically or financially impossible to catch you. And that just always being on the cusp of never ending change. And, and that's, that's the way we live.
0: Okay. I mean, that's, I love it because that is, that is our life here at ambition. I can completely empathize with that. I'm going to, we're running long. So I've got one last question. I think, um, I, I think this is an interesting sure. one, how people ask it or answer it, excuse me. But you know, what do you believe about sales or, or sales management or, or the process of changing sales that your peers don't, or that you think your peers don't believe? what's different about what you're how you're executing
1: um that that's a that's a really good that's a really good question i um i think i think some people get it i i think there's a lot i think there's a lot of peers in the industry that that don't i think we are really focused on tying the science of sales together with the art of sale and i think there's always been this push on be great at your language, be a smooth talker, ask the right questions, have the right closes, you know, and, and that's kind of the art of the sale. But I think at the end of the day, too, an individual rep to be successful, one, they have to understand their effectiveness, right, their quality, which varies differently from the person sitting there. So if that's true, then you have to create a metric and a way for salespeople to understand their individual metrics that lead to quota completion, right? Or yeah. quota attainment. And so we've, we've just been very, very focused on not getting caught up in company minimum and celebrating company minimums when we, you know, when we really wouldn't have an idea of, you know, are are those minimums driving the organization attainment or not? We, we, we are so dialed in on, and, and give you an example, one one of my uh, managers on the East Coast said in, in a meeting, uh, in a large scale meeting not long ago, he said, I can, I can, by the first week of the quarter, I can tell you exactly 2% where my quota attainment is going to be based on the activity of my reps because how we utilize VPC. And he has proven that quarter over quarter over quarter. But, you know, knowing those numbers don't mean anything if you're not tracking along those numbers. And again, I mean, ambition is what we utilize real time. So people go, oh, here's my objective score, here's my activity score at, in the moment in the day for attempts connections presentations and that's what keeps them in line with those individualized um plans so i think us tying those two things together i think that's one thing i believe i know works i've seen it work in uh, a number of large large organizations i've been with and um i that alone will help a lot of organizations
0: move forward that's that's amazing and i Man, Travis, I think what you're doing is so impressive there, and and the growth numbers that you were throwing out there before, going from you know 100%, now going to do a, another one up into the the billion um, for your division is is insane. And you've got to have something working. That's the, the thing is like where when you come in and say, hey, this is what you know, this is what the status quo was, you know, I'm changing the plan or we're changing the plan. Here it is, and you throw up a couple of years of that type of growth. It's like you should you should be pretty proud of that. It's pretty incredible.
1: We're we're excited to join the big, the big B club, the, the one, <laughs> the one B club or division. We'll, we'll, uh, we're on pace for it this year. So we're, uh, we're excited about that. Really excited. We've, we've got a, just unbelievable employees that have knuckled down and uh, really put their time and effort into it. I mean, I, I, I can honestly say I've never worked with a, a better group of salespeople that have just been committed to what we're doing and the vision that we have and, and where we're going as a company. And, and that makes all the difference in the world to have a group of people like that.
0: That's absolutely right. Two, two questions. Great For the great reps out who are listening, for the great managers who are listening, where are you hiring? I know it's two cities, I think, but I'll let you tell it.
1: Man, we uh, we are hiring in uh, Boston. We are hiring in uh, Brunswick, Maine, um, and we are in Ogden. And matter matter of fact, we're gonna be we're gonna we're gonna be hiring a boatload of people uh, this summer. Um, the numbers would stagger you. But uh, there is a ton of sales opportunities and leadership opportunities uh, at Wayfair. So, uh, if if you want to make a, an impact, and uh, you are one of those people that will do whatever it takes uh, to win and have a competitive spirit, man, we would love to talk to you.
0: Where should people find you? LinkedIn, Twitter? What? Where? Where are you? Yeah, at? you
1: can find you can. I'm uh, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, you, I mean, you can uh, reach me and. Send me an email if you want uh, at Wayfair. That's t huff at wayfair.com. dot uh, That's my my personal. So uh, uh, feel free to reach out to me there or out through LinkedIn. So that's the easiest way to get a hold of me.
0: That's the best part about you know this is different for you, but for us selling to salespeople, salespeople want to have those conversations. Like I love when a person's like, yeah, here's my email. Here's my here's my number. Like give me a shout. Try to try to pitch me on a role. Pitch me on a, a job. Like <laughs> that's the best part of our industry is that we're all into that. So man, I, Travis, I really appreciate you joining. I think this is uh, what you guys are doing and, and the way you talk about the science and the art. I think it's, it's really, it really is something that I believe in our company at, at its core believes in. So it's once again, it's fantastic to hear about a successful, really successful, um, you know, real-life representation of how impactful that that marriage between the science and the art of sales can be so thank you again i couldn't thank you enough for joining and um everyone out there travis huff director of b2b sales at wayfair uh you know if you don't know already go check out wayfair they have phenomenal furnishings for uh for your home or for your company we're users we're proud of it Uh, but thanks so much for joining me
1: yeah if you have you have business needs to give us a call we'll, uh, we'll help you make good spaces great promise
0: there you go that's excellent um well thanks so much man and thanks to everyone out there this was ambitions sales influencer series with travis huff the
1: time is now on everything